2: Welcome to the Inspired Evolution, a show dedicated to helping you actually live the life that you love. I'm your host, Amrit Sandhu, international speaker, global coach, and loving podcaster. As a gift for tuning into this podcast, I have something really special just for you. My premium short course, which can teach you how to meditate in just seven days, you can download it now at www.inspiredevolution.com forward slash learn. That's www.inspiredevolution.com forward slash learn. Learn how to meditate in just seven days. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this powerfully insightful conversation. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of the latest episodes launching every Monday designed to help you live the life you love and keep you inspired to evolve.
0: So our next speaker is Clyde Fernandez. Who is the regional director of Salesforce and most commonly known as the silver lining chaser, both in and out of the office? A proud father of a 37 year old autistic son, Clyde has successfully hacked his life to be on his terms and living with a glass full. So please help me welcome Clyde to the stage.
2: Kind of flattered that you're here today, Clyde. Oh, <laughs> just because you're the silver, you're the silver lining chaser, does that mean we're indeed, the silver lining well, this here today? Is definitely
3: last? part of my silver lining <laughs> repertoire. Turn oh, yeah. up on a Sunday morning in beautiful Collingwood and have a chat. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Such a pleasure. Um, one of the things I want to tune into is, yeah,
2: what is a silver lining chaser?
3: Silver lining. Where, where did this come from? It, so I do a lot of mentoring, obviously. We have different roles in life, but ultimately I think what we want to be is, is leading by example. And um, when I think about where we are right now, I, I often talk about the world we're in right now, which is going to perpetuate and going to grow, which is called a VUCA world. I'm not sure if anyone's heard that term before, but VUCA is an acronym which stands for volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous. Mm. That seems to be the sort of the, some descriptors of uh, where we are right now. And it's get, it's getting more of those things, right? So... In that context, people often tell to me, why are you always smiling? What is <laughs> going on there? Like, what is go-? And I said, "Well, you know, I'm really happy. So, uh, you know, I smile because I'm happy. Why? I said, because I see opportunities. I see opportunities for everybody all around me all the time. So mm-hmm. most people bring problems to me because I think in my job, actually that's why I've ended up in the job I'm in, is because I like problems and mm-hmm. I like finding, more importantly, I like finding solutions to them. So I always see a silver lining in most things.
2: I love that. I love that. So, in terms of you also said this thing about the glass full guy,
3: not the glass
2: half full guy. Yeah,
3: you know we, it's 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 all about perspective, right? So the glass is there, and some people say you know you're a glass half empty or half full person, and that implies it's a bit of a binary thing, you know you're you're either negative or you're positive. And, um, and, and the association is if you're a glass half full person, then you're a positive person. If you're glass half empty, you're more, more of a not so positive person. And I go there's a third category. It's called the glass is full. You just can't see the other half. You don't actually you don't see it because we've been conditioned not to see it. But that thing which is in the top half of the glass, it is the most important thing to us. Because when I think about things, I always go back to first principles. Mm. And I think about uh, the th- first thing that drives me is my purpose. And I think about what is it that's going to help me deliver on my purpose or meet my purpose. And I go back to first principles. What's the first principle of living? The most important thing we need to do. If we don't do it within six minutes, what happens? We're dead. What is it? Breathing, right? Mm. So, and it's oxygen. And so that glass, half full. Yeah, I say it's full. Um, It's just different forms of different things in there. We sort of open up our aperture and think about it differently.
2: I love that. So there's so much perspective in there. I'm really curious. What is your purpose,
3: Clay? Oh, this is like we prepared this. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of preparation. Um, so f- fortunately for me and unfortunately for my life partner, <laughs> Um. It took me about 50 years to work shit out
1: mm-hmm.
3: and I didn't work it out. Um, I was lucky I have this amazing coach in my life who, who took over the reins from a previous coach in my life,
1: mm.
3: probably about 40 years ago. Um, oh, look, the good news is I want to set something up front right now. You know, um, I think about 96% of you will not be going home with me today, but about 4% of you will be. So those 4% who will be, I need to make sure I honor you because the conversation, whatever I say here, is gonna be carried forward at home. So you 4% know who you are. So I'm gonna make sure that uh, what I say is true and that's why I love having them here because um, I always think about when I'm making decisions, having conversation, I think about four people. Mm. One on my right side and three on my left side. The one on my right side is, is my life partner, Bridget, who happens to be here. And the one on the left side is, um, are my three sons um, and each of them bring different things. But um, about I hit about 50 where this voice came back to me and it was a voice I was very familiar with. It was called my partner's voice who's been saying the same thing to me <laughs> for a long time. Lucky for me, she's patient. <laughs> Um, unlucky for her, she had to endure me for the first you know x number of years together. Um, but it's it's for me, it's all about. You know, I think about her. She's my coach. She's my north star. So mm. everything goes back to that. And the purpose we came up with together was that we need to outlive Aaron. Mm. Right. Is that clear? Not yeah. quite. Probably. probably Who's, Aaron? Who's Aaron? Who's yeah. Aaron? So Aaron yeah. is our eldest son who has severe autism. Um, He is um, one of the most amazing human beings that we know that's come into our lives. Um, He has fundamentally shaped me, but again, shaped me through some coaching that was provided by this wonderful partner of mine. Um, And each of the four people in my family have given me different characteristics or insight.
2: Mm, People around you.
3: You've already heard the first one, which is coach, Mm. and that's absolutely Bridget's. You know, label. She's my coach. Um, Aaron brings me courage, because mm-hmm. every day I think about Aaron, and he fronts up every day, not knowing what we know. Um, literally, scared shitless is probably put it mildly, right? In terms of what's going to happen, because you know, if those of you who don't know autism, fundamentally it's a, it, it's a, a condition that affects our anxiety gene, if you like. It goes way over there. And um, so everything generates anxiety. And for those people who've had anxiety attacks, you know what I'm talking about. And this is like anxiety on steroids, so it's pretty, pretty horrific. Mm. And for when you're, so when you're experiencing that, you've got to have a fair bit of courage to actually turn up every day. So every day he turns up and, and he, to me, is an absolute stellar example of what courage is. Aiden, my second son, who happens to be in the audience, he brings compassion. There's no one... I'm going to start crying in a minute.
2: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
0: Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never
3: really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
0: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
3: To me, there's nobody who brings compassion more than Aiden. He's a pretty special human being. and we've, And we've traveled the world together, which is amazing. And we've crossed paths together, same companies and all that. So I look at him and I think, compassion. Mm. And I'm going to stop talking about him because I'll stop crying. And the third person is, is, um, is a, a young little rock star, um, not little anymore, um, not so young anymore, and that's Levi. Mm. And Levi brings communication. What I mean by that is he is a communicator. He has taught us how to communicate actually courageously, mm. compassionately, mm. and with clarity.
2: Yo, amazing, amazing. I
3: need to breathe now. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think that's really deep and just uh, in what you're sharing is also this poignant reminder that actually our relationships are some of our greatest teachers in our life. Oftentimes we are... You know, um, some of us that are not sitting in the seat that you're sitting in are often challenged by our father, our mother, our siblings and so forth. But the reminder is there's always that opportunity to see them as our teacher Mm. and the lessons that they bring for us.
3: Yeah, I think I'm going to mention to you this notion of ABC. Anyone sales in the audience? Anyone sales? What does ABC stand for? Yeah, that's the old term. I don't use that one anymore. I is always be curious because that's a learning posture. That is a a posture where you know you don't know everything. The trouble with sales is we believe we know everything, right? Mm. So I happen to fall into sales after a long history in technology and it's been amazing. It's transformed our family's life, no two ways about it. We started reasonably, not reasonably, we started off very, very humbly, Um, in the backdrop, back blocks of Western Sydney Um, and we aspired to greatness and that greatness was one day we are going to, this is when Bridget used to be called Paula, different story, Um, um, our our highlight, our aspiration, the the top of the um, the Himalaya um, goal was one day we will get to spend a weekend at the Manly Pacific Hotel. That was the top of our tree, right? <laughs> Ten years into our marriage, we ended up there. We looked at each other. Yeah. We looked at the chocolates and the champagne on the bed. We looked at each other and said, what the fuck were we thinking? <laughs> 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 but at that time, guess what? Yeah. It was, and what was amazing was we, we, we achieved it. And what's been great for this journey is we achieved it together and mm. we achieved it with, um, with three amazing other human beings. And we, we achieved it. And something Simone said actually about being um, kind and nice. This lady, who's my coach, used to say to me all the time. And I've been reasonably successful career-wise. Um, sorry, been reasonably successful financially. That's probably what it is. And every year I'd come home, you know, strutting in the door. Every year we'd review how the year went, and um, I was always keen to, you know, get into that report card conversation with my partner. And she'd say, well, how do you think you went this year? And I went, well, I think I did really well. She goes, yes, you did. Financially, you did really well. Mm. Now, this lady of mine, she's not mine, my partner. She is very clever with words. And when she said that, I went, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> when you say, oh, we done, I did really well financially, what's missing? She goes, oh, all the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> do not do that ever again. I said, when you say don't, do not, what do you mean? She goes, well... Clyde, you we experienced every roller coaster or every deal, and we, and people in sales know this, right? It's, it's, a, it's an emotional roller coaster because we choose, we choose to get in that roller coaster. We choose mm. to exhibit those emotions. Right. She goes, we experienced every one of those. And she goes, and I know you always say to me, come to you with solutions, not problems. Here's the solution, Clyde. Begin your next year as if you've already made your quota. It's a mindset thing. It's a it's a zen, it's a zen thing for salespeople. Begin the year as if you've already made your quota. Guess what happens then? You behave the way you truly want to behave.
2: Mm, resonance. Yeah, I love that. So can I ask you a little bit deeper in terms of the relationships just because I'm I'm loving that space. Do you extend that a little bit further to people outside of just your family as well when you're seeing and you're interacting with people that in your workspace environment? Are you seeing them for what they bring on into your space as well?
3: Um, this is going to sound really repetitive. But this lady of mine,
2: <laughs>
3: one day said to me, you know what, Clyde, you're exhibiting about five versions of yourself. Oh. I went, is that a good thing? She goes, no, it's not. Because you're burning cognitive energy, trying to maintain those five versions. So I, had a, I had an, a, not I thought a good version at home, partner, father, provider, Whatever else you what other labels you want to put in it, then I had a version at work, then I had a version with my friends, then I had a version with my soccer team. that was a horrible version <laughs> um, and then and then I had a version you know on stage right so and she said to me, "You know what, like the version we know it's a pretty good version. Mm. why don't you just use that version everywhere and it literally saved me about forty percent of cognitive capacity, right because Honestly, you, you get so caught up in persona identity that you sort of, whoever you're talking to, you go, oh, you're a friend, okay, I've got to talk this way. Oh, you're at work, I've got to be this way. Oh, you're my employee, I've got to be this way. Then, I, then she, you know, she guided me very well and she said, just be yourself. And so I did that, I started doing that about five years ago, probably actually about ten years ago, and it's funny because I was really career oriented, really career driven, and I thought I was doing really well. And then, when I dropped all of the luggage and I dropped all of the attitude and I went back to who I was, my career really took off. Mm. It's quite bizarre. So, to your question, it's not just about career. It's not just about. It's about you. Just be. And you've heard all you use this term before. Just be your full, authentic self. Mm. Bring your full version to everything. Bring it. Bring. Bring. Uh, positives. Bring energy. Um, and amazing things happen.
2: I love that. So uh, conscious leadership in terms of, yeah, fundamentally just be who you are in there. Um, what do you think it is that drives us or, you know, all these people that you mentor as well to to kind of feel compelled to not just be ourself? Like there's so much, you meet so many personas.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a word in masculinity. It's called the mask. And all us guys in particular, we wear masks. We do. We wear masks all the time. And quite often as men, we wear a mask because inside, behind that mask, is a boy Mm. because we haven't actually grown up. And so for me, the design point, and I'm a first-principle person when I think about things, I go, "What?" let me just quick shout-out to a group called Shift. Thank you, Levi, because he's a communicator. (laughs) Um, Shift. So Shift is this grassroots organisation that Levi's amazing partner, Georgia and uh Caleb from uh, Culture Amp have stu- uh, 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 facilitating and up to we're up to cohort seven and we're just a cross-section of people coming together to talk about activism mm. okay uh amazing um so a big shout out to them because what they're talking about is 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 where I'm getting to we went and did a quick round table introduction at the beginning It was only last Tuesday it Was last Tuesday last Tuesday um I was the 10th person in the circle so started off with Caleb, went around, everyone introduced themselves. You know, who are you? What are you about? What are you fired up about? And everyone, you know, so Caleb talked about it. Then then uh, Lucy talked about Murdoch, right? How do we get rid of Murdoch newspapers? And then the other person talked about it. What do we do about the, the climate crisis? And the other person talked about what about... And there's about six or seven different issues, which are all valid issues, and everyone's angry and vexed up. And what do we do? And they came to me and said... So Clyde, you know, who are you, blah, blah. And I said, I said you know, i have just listened to everything you're saying and, and you know, I'm a, I'm a first principle guy and I think there's a root issue here. And the root issue here is a thing called patriarchy and a thing called a lack of um, sex data in everything we do. What I mean by that is the world is designed for one sex. It's called men. I'll give you some examples. The mobile phone, the piano... Um, number of things it's design it's designed from a man's perspective perspective because men are in positions of design and in positions of development um, the reason why a a software company which I won't mention you know designed an AI algorithm which r- was going to be recognizing people and it started recognizing every dark person in America as dogs or apes. Why did that happen? because when you go back and have a look at who designed it it was 25 to 30 year old Caucasian Men in the in you know in 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 Bay Area and also in Silicon Valley. So I go back to first principles. To me, I think the issue is we need to think about what has caused us to get here and go and fix the root cause. That isn't so. It's easy for me to say, simple for me to say, but not easy to do. We've got a fundamental lift, systemic lift issue. Mm -hmm. We've got to do.
2: So the implementation of such a thing, where does it begin, in your humble opinion?
3: every interaction. Right. When I meet you, um, when I listen to somebody, um, think about the fact that I've got all this and I've still got it. I can't get rid of it. This unconscious bias that's been, you know, that's been you know, imbued in me. I came from a quite a traditional Anglo-Indian family. And Michael, you talked about you know, the anger you felt for your dad. I, I, I felt that too um, for my dad because he was a patriarch. Um, then I got angry with my mum for allowing him to be a patriarch. Then I recognised, hang on, she had no control over it, right? Um, so for me, how do you go back to first principles, meet people where they are, understanding they, they're on a, there's a whole journey behind them. Mm. So be kind, you know, really be kind, show empathy. Um, going back to, to, to Bridget, she said to me, all I want you to do is be nice and kind, which I took as an insult because I thought I was. Then I recognised, hang on, if I think I am and, oh, and this person's asked me to be kind and nice, maybe I'm not. So stop and just mm. observe.
2: I love that. One of the questions that's um, percolating for me is I wonder if activism is a masculine tenant and whether there is a feminine form of activism because I'm wondering if, you know, this conversation around activism sounds very Yang for me, but maybe that's just my experience of it because my activation is that of a man, right? Um, but then if we activate and then we kind of move into this space which is more feminine which seems to be the dialogue we've had across the three leaders today as well which is being more open embracing more of like a feminine openness um recognizing when you're above the line um understanding our relationships better that cohesiveness that empathy is much more of a feminine tenant uh, but does there that like does activation and maybe it's not for us to say but is it feel more masculine than or can there be a feminine version of activism
3: I wonder whether it's, so there's a doing phase and it's why you're doing it phase. Mm, Okay. So purpose becomes really important. Everything, you know, I mentioned purpose is really important. So why are you doing that? Um, Is it contributing to your most important issue? Right. Um, There is a difference along the sex line between what those purposes are sometimes. Quite often, um, have we all heard of EDSO? Simon Sinek's talk about the, the, the drugs that drive us all and um, we t- sort of talked about it a bit is actually the physiology behind our, us as human beings. E is endorphins, D is dopamine, S is serotonin, O is oxytocin. The first two are self, self-ish drugs, they're about us. I get a lovely endorphin high when I go running. What's that about? It's about me. Um, dopamine, we know where that comes from. You know, these things and gambling and other, some other things which are addictive. But the other two are really amazing. They're the selfless drugs. Mm. When we help somebody, when we show gratitude, when we reach out, when we show servanthood, serotonin kicks in. And that is an amazingly good, feel-good hormone that we've got, mm. that, we, that we manufacture. So we've got an amazing drug factory in us. It's a matter of what you put your focus on.
2: Hmm. i often wonder about those chemicals that we have in our brain and like if our biology is communicating us to us like i often believe in this again first principles kind of guy the path of least resistance right so the fact that you know we switch into servitude feels so good like for me you know one of my biggest challenges in life is freedom i've got a thing called the inspired evolution is about living life on your own terms but then what i've actually come to find which is yeah, freedom is in your service, is in your servanthood. Like, I've actually got to be of service to find my freedom. So counterintuitive when you look at it from a black and white perspective. Like, I'm
3: someone's, part of the,
2: slave, hence my freedom.
3: <laughs> yeah, and there's, there's something about, um, cog, you know, um, my biases, right? So when I hear the word servanthood, my Indian-ish comes out of me, right? <laughs> I go, like yeah, I'm not a servant. You can see that's, the uniform, that's, can't that's you? That's <laughs> like, what, yeah, I got, one, in my, well, I got one at home. Exactly. You know, it took, it took the Brits all those hundreds of years to take over our country and colonise it. It took one virus to help them understand the best way to say hello is namaste. <laughs> right? so, so in one way, this stuff goes full circle, right? So um, I, 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 I do think that... It's, it's, in, it's in the, mo- the moments it's in the interactions. Um, you heard me talk about this. I'm a big proponent of habits. Mm. It's about doing something. Like, if it's happening up here, that's cool for you um, and you, you'll get zen. Um, but, you know, as, as, as you said, end of the day, you've got to, you know, someone pointed you and said, you need to get out of here now and go and spread the stuff that you've learned right now because you'll have an amazing, because you, not just will you have a big, big impact, but... They identified you as the person who can do it. So when you get that gift, that's what you've got to do. Now doing, that's a tough one, right? Because doing has got to be done when? Yeah. All the freaking time, right? So, so how do you get into a doing habit? Mm-hmm. And there's some hacks that you can do there. Tell us about them. Okay. Um, well, first of all, you know, the, the KISS principle is super important, right? You, everyone heard KISS? Not, not, the rock band. That was one of my favorite bands. Um, keep it simple, stupid. Right. The simpler you keep something, the lower the friction to do something, the more likely you are to do it. Yeah. So, um, my my morning routine, which I hope to try and do every day, I, I typically do, begins with um, obviously I've obviously I should have slept for at least six. 0.15 hours, right? So I, I'm trying to get up to eight hours. I used to be a four and a half, five hour sleep person, which is which I thought was awesome, I could get away with it. But this person who was living, you know, sharing a life with me said, no, 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 you, you're, not, you're not coping, you're basically eternally comatosed. Like <laughs> if you stop talking for 10 seconds lad, you fall asleep. I said, okay, okay, I thought I was functioning well. No, so sleep's number, you know, really important, mm. as is breathing, right? So get up in the morning, third thing I want to do is hydrate. I hydrate, I then go into some meditation, mm. I then do, and this sound, sounds really messy and complicated and lots of things, but it's not. It's really literally within the first half hour I wake up. I do a quick couple of yoga poses just to stretch up the, 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 um, the joints. Do a couple of um, rehab things because I'm older than you guys and I've got to get some of my parts working better, um, but I'm doing it. Um, and then I get into a hit routine, mm. you know, a, a high-intensity um, interval training routine, literally eight simple exercises that anyone can do. 30 seconds each, I go flat out. When I first started, <laughs> it was hard. And then I have a 30 second break, I do it again, right? So mm. I'm now in a very heightened hot state, mm. have some more water, and then I go into what I call my learning phase. I want to learn something new. So this is a routine that I try and do every day. Um, it culminates after I cool down, I go in and have a cold shower. Mm. I've been having cold showers for the last two and a half years. So, you know, that ice bath looks pretty appealing. Um, <laughs> Um so, cold showers every day, and what, what why do I do that same thing same three reasons: gratitude, the planet, my health mm-hmm. um, and then i then the the, the you know the, the the highlight of my morning is we then sit down uh, bridget and I I keep going to Paula Bridget and I sit down and have breakfast together mm-hmm. um so that habit you, if you keep doing it often enough and you you lower the barrier of entry so I don't need gym gear. I don't need a gym membership. I don't need um, anything to actually go and do the things that I do in the morning. Mm. I literally just need my mind to stay focused on my purpose. Yeah. And as, as, a, as one of the young people in this room corrected me, uh, reminded me a few years ago before, I became, before he forced me to become a vegan, he asked me about my purpose and said, how's that going, Dad? And I said, pretty good. And he goes, pretty good. If we had a goal and we share that with you, and then, and then you asked us how your goal's going and we said pretty good. You'd say, not fucking good enough. <laughs> and so he said, not good enough, Dad. What are you going to do to optimise it? And he went through this three-hour beautiful conversation. It was a lecture. It was a lecture. It was a lecture. Accountability. <laughs> but an amazing communicator, as I said. And at the end of the three hours he said, so, Dad, how do you feel? And I said, I feel Pretty, you have motivated me so much. I want to get out of there, right? No <laughs> he goes, cool, cool. What do you think? And I said, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And he goes, cool. Dad, one more question. What are you going to do? Mm. And I was waiting for that because these are sort of questions that you know, we've had around before. So I'm already listening to these questions and I said, I am going to read those research papers that you talked about. And he goes, oh, Dad by the way, I think I'm more accredited now to read research papers than you are, unless you don't trust me. That's an important word in our family. Mm. And I looked at him and I said, I'm not saying that. And he goes, so do you trust me, Dad? And I said, yep. And he goes, so I've read the papers, Dad. And he goes, I said, yep. And he goes, so Dad, I'm going to ask you a question again. What are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to become a vegan from this moment forward.
2: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've got so many burning questions, but let's throw it to you guys. Anybody got a question for Clyde? There's one right up the back. There's one just up here. Shen.
0: Hello, my name is Tara, and um, I heard you speak about starting your year as if you already met your quota. I wanted to know what that looks like for you and what are some processes or techniques that you do to maintain it?
3: Thank you, Tara. Great question. Um, I think, so when that, that challenge was given to me by this amazing lady in my life, um, which is really easy for her to say, isn't it? I mean, she could say it so easily and so eloquently. Doing it's hard. What I'd put in place was this notion of leading indicators and lagging indicators. Ultimately, a sales quota, any quota, is a lagging indicator, it's a scoreboard issue. The best way you can manage the sp- scoreboard or your league ladder, or your quota, is focus on your leading indicator. Do you control those? So the two things you, and I say, this is, by the way, this, this, is a, this is a talk I give to my team every year. I can almost recite it. There's only two things you have control over, team. What you believe, and what you do with your time. If you believe you can do your quota, or you don't believe you can do your quota, you are probably right. So you might as well believe it. That's number one. Number two is what are you going to do with your time? And your time should be focused on the, thing, the leading indicators that's going to give you the highest propensity for success. The quota, the number, is just that. It's a lagging indicator, but it's an indicator which will happen almost automagically when you do all the right things leading up to it. So, example, activity basis. What, what's your activity? What's the things, and going back to first principle, what would it mean to actually achieve those numbers? Okay, so let me give you an example. So I'm running a team... X million dollar quota, what's my first job? My first job is to work out how do I divide that number up equitably, I use the word equitably, not equally, across my team. What's that based on? It's based on the propensity of that territory, but most importantly, it's based on the individual. What's that individual's capability like? And and so I give them those numbers, that's number one, but I've got to give it in a way that they feel that they can achieve. And then I start giving them lots of coaching. And the coaching goes like this. Ignore your number. Forget about your number. From this point on, this is the last time we'll talk about your number. What I will talk about, though, is talk to me about how many people you've spoken to this week. Talk to me about what your conversations are like. Talk to me about what worked, what didn't work. So having a a beginner's mindset on every single engagement. So in sales, it would be... How many customers do you need in order to hit this thing called a, this nebulous thing called a quota, X number? Let's do some maths. Just divide it back, okay? So that means you need 10 customers. That means you need probably 10 contacts per customer. And you can just do the math. So this week you need to go after 10 contacts. How are you going with that? Our boss has been really hard. Okay, let's talk about why it's hard. These are all leading conversations. And then you coach people on those leading things. And then by about the end of the first quarter, it, it's actually quite a nice little, you know, epiphany that happens. And they start just working on what they can control. They can't control the quota, so let go of it. Control what you can control, which are your leading indicators. Does that, does that answer your question? Cool.
0: Thanks, Clyde. That was great. How do we find out more about... Sorry, what's your name? Shift. Sorry, Shannon. Shannon. Tell me more about SHIFT.
3: Oh, SHIFT. Oh, I should get the communicator up here <laughs> to talk about that. So SHIFT is a grassroots organisation started 18 months ago by a couple of, you know, young people who were looking around going, this world's going nuts. And we can sit here drinking, you know, uh, kombuchas and vodka and we can wax and wane about how awful things are, or we can actually do something about it. So they've come up with a methodology because they, they recognize that they had all this energy and this yearning to do something, but they didn't know quite what to do. And then they realize actually there's a couple of steps that we can go through, you know. We can start voicing our opinions and our thoughts, and, and all, which, which they're already doing. They can then start looking at what they can vote for. And they can vote, you know, for in a political structure, but also vote in terms of what you do. Then you can start prioritizing how you spend your money. Mm. So for us, you know, again, we moved our entire bank, not our entire banking, some of our banking, to Bank Australia. Why? Because Bank Australia has never, and and according to them, will never um, lend money to the fossil fuel industry. We think that's pretty important. But it takes some takes some discipline to, to do that. So they've come up with a methodology to actually help us, A, get on a single um, pa- piece of paper to work out the vernacular, the, the concepts, and the constructs. And then it's about how do we now, now we've got this energy, how do we amplify our voice, amplify our efforts, um, how do we work out what to do? Because sometimes not knowing what to do is a real frustration. And you've got this burning thing inside, you don't know where to go. Having this group and these these little um, cohorts allow you to share things with each other. So we started doing that. And we're on, we're using Slack, which is, you know, um, an amazing software thing um and um which which we all just share with each other we're with with each other so when somebody does something we go holy crap that's cool let's just plagiarize that and do it again so that's what it is if anyone's interested come and see me i'll put you in contact with levi's partner
2: question out the front here um thank you my name is mitchell um again and my question is about i think it was in the the meeting the round table and you said the core issue that you got to was patriarchy I was wondering if you could um, say what you did after that or what comes from that, because patriarchy, um, I think there's maybe some more specific examples or things that we can do from that that would be really helpful for um, all of us to know.
3: Thank you, Mitchell. Um, I, I, by the way, I don't have the answers. All, all, all I know is I'm curious, I'm always curious, and, and I like to think about things before I act on them. So for me, it's about our thinking, and you know, Michael mentioned masculinity and I mentioned the mask concept, so as men we need to understand that we're all, we start in a position in history in a position of privilege. We start, we start from there. Um, and so therefore we need, to, we need to always engage with the issue, the person or whatever happens to be, recognizing that we are coming with, with all of this really privilege um, and the other person may not be. I'll give you an example. I came back from a, from a trip overseas, I was exhausted, um, and, um, but I'm you know back then I was doing the four, four and a half hour sleep, so I thought I was Superman, sat down for dinner, my highlight of my week is my family dinner, and uh, the conversation went on, I talked about racism, which is obviously a bit of a passion of mine, um, and, um, and my partner said, yeah, but actually, about the gender thing, and I went, for God's sake back then she was Paula. For God's sake, Paula, you know, can't you just give me this moment, just talk about racism? And I recognised I was getting a bit... Below upset, the line. Right? Yeah. So I said, hey, listen, I think I'm going to go to bed. Right? So I went to bed. I woke up the next morning and there was a, there was a message on our, on our WhatsApp group. And the message was, hey, Clyde, who got the vote first? A black man or a white woman? And I went, yeah, I've got her. And I went, oh, no, no, no. She's asking me that question. She already knows the answer. <laughs> So I looked it up quickly on Google because and she goes and I went oh, crap. I went back and I said, I'm sorry, I'm a doofus. Why? Because I forgot about that. And I know when I'm tired, all of my prejudices come to the fore. So I think as men we can remember that, try and remember it over again. The more we remember it, the more we will we will um respond in a way that's actually more equitable.
2: Holding space for it. Yeah. Thank you
0: so much. <laughs> Let's give Clyde a big round of applause.
2: We're back with Clyde. Clyde, how are you going, brother?
3: Very good, man. How's yes, things with
2: you? Yeah, amazing. For those that are tuning in, this is what just happened. All right, midway through an episode. I just introduced Clyde again. Yeah, right, exactly. So basically we had Clyde live at the podcasting live experience at Get Hacked. Um, It was an incredible chat we've had. And for those listening to the audio, just to make this kind of seamless for you, you've just been listening to the first 20 minutes and now this is the next little bit just because we had so much fun in that chat that we wanna go a little bit further, a little bit deeper, a little bit wiser, a little bit more hungry for a deeper conversation. The passion continues. So we're here. And uh, we're just going to continue exploring the conversation. Hopefully, we'll pick up sort of where we left off. But in light of where things are at at the moment, um, we're all kind of weaving through this stay-at-home period. And uh, and uh, yeah, Clyde and I were just talking about um, maybe around setting boundaries. Almost tell us a little bit about what's going on, brother.
3: So man, you know you know what's happened, right? So we had that uh, we had that amazing event uh, at the beginning of uh, March, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And literally straight after that, um, we. At work and the lockdown, right? So every single employee had to work from home. So I, I initiated what I call the daily huddle. And it was just an opportunity in recognition that we are social beings, right? At the end of the day, we can be healthy, we can be strong, we can be fast, we can be adaptable, but if we're alone, we're dead, right? So we're social creatures. Um, and recognizing that we put in a, 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 a daily huddle, which literally, you know, on Friday, in three, three weeks of a daily huddle, um, begin to end at the beginning, my team were a bit apprehensive, a bit, bit concerned about what the hell was going on. But as the weeks, as the days turned into weeks and uh, turned into almost a month now, the session we had on Friday was quite quite um, insightful. Mm. What a number of people said was, hey, you know what, Clyde, this wasn't our first choice at the beginning. But can you just say one thing? When this whole thing finishes, can we please keep the daily huddles going? Because was- we have recognized what each other is going through. We're being real with each other, we're being authentic with each other. Now, what we just spoke about before you turned the mic on, I was telling you how we ended an amazing week, both from a business point of view but also from a personal point of view. And and this week um, really ran out three big things. One was, obviously, it's the third week in a, in a row working from home. Um, the daily huddles have gone from strength to strength. Uh, and we've initiated what we are calling a weekly well-being practice as well now. So I brought in somebody who I met, just like meeting you, man, on a different event, I met um, uh, the beautiful wellbeing keeper. Um, uh, she knows who she is, and I brought her into my business and she is now running a weekly campaign with us to actually improve our wellbeing. That's mm-hmm. number one. Number two was, um, I think I mentioned to you at, at the talk, our eldest son has three autism. He's, uh, mm-hmm. he's uh, 36, um, gonna be 37 this year. And My wife, you're saying, stop talking about the next year. Just talk about now. He's 36 right now. Um, he's an amazing human being. He, he gives all of us so much um, pride, courage, understanding about what humanity is all about. I mean, this week we had a, what's called the NDIS plan renewal. Now, for those of you out there in the NDIS world and the NDIA world, NDIS stands for the National Disability Insurance Scheme and it's run by the NDIA, the National Disability Insurance Agency. And I've got to tell you, you know, when they first started, it was pretty much a, that essence of a govern, government program, right? Faceless, emotionless, yep. not intimate. Machine. Not <laughs> a machine, right? <clears throat> and then you and I spoke about how do we move from machine to organism. And this week we had a renewal and, and a big shout-out to an amazing planner in the NDIA called Raimonda. That's R-A-I-M-O-N-D-A. Raymonda, if you're listening, you are a legend. You're a superstar because what you did was you met us. You didn't know us, but you met us with empathy, with compassion and with patience. Now, for those of you who are in the disability field or supporting someone with disability or supporting someone with age or supporting someone with needs, you know what what an amazing experience that is but also what an amazing challenge that is. So going through a plan, um, rewrite can be very emotional and very... Um, well, it's, it's challenging to put, put it mildly, mm. and not just the financial, the planning part of it, but actually, it brings up a lot of emotion because we are parents, a human being with flesh and blood. We are. It's an opportunity to think about our son, think about you know, has he achieved the goals he achieved. Well, we went through the plan and we were elated because honestly, two years ago when we started this plan. We were probably close to a complete breakdown in our family. Um, mm. Aaron was going through, um, uh, you know, a cha- no, he wasn't. Aaron was experiencing challenging issues because the environment was set up to meet his needs. right? Right. And we, we, and my, my wife Bridget has been always on about look at the world through Aaron's eyes. So we did that, and through her long suffering patience but determination, uh, we re re, re- Invent and reimagine what his world looked like today. If I do a quick contrast, you know, he was self-injurious. He was um, uh, quite you know, um, uh, anxious, quite angry, and it, it did pivot into self-violence and violence to other people. Um, so his his position within our family was quite tenuous, to put it mildly, right? Because you know, we want to we're a very tight family. To stay together. Um, fast forward to his... and. It's chalk and cheese. And what it is, it's like all of us. We are all capable of all things given the, given the right circumstances, right? Mm. So this replan was a, a sink point for us. We were sitting at each other, looking at each other, smiling, we were doing it over a phone because of the whole COVID situation. Mm. But Raymonda didn't give a toss. She called us, she listened, and even though we didn't have the, the, the benefits of being human in terms of seeing each other and all that. We spoke to each other, we spoke to each other as, as as parents, we spoke to each other as two human beings, and at the end of it, we said to her three things. One is thank you for being so generous with your time and your compassion. Thank you for listening. Um, she literally said, Look, I can't see any reason why we want to renew this. Bridget and Clyde, do you want this renewed for a year, two years, or three years? We said three years because we don't want to do this again, be sure. But we also want the right to come back and renew as an early renewal. Yes, no problem. She goes, what's the other two things? The other two things are, one, <coughs>
0: excuse me, Ramondi, from our point
3: of view, you are I'm an exemplar of what we regard as what would be a really good plan. Hmm. So we want to let you know that <coughs> because we feel that very really strongly. The third thing is we want to be part of making you a standard, uh, um, if you like, a logo bearer of what good looks like. So we want to write to your manager. Tell them them the good feedback, right? The third thing that happened this week was, (coughs) pardon me again, we settled on our property yesterday. Now, this property, um, Bridget saw four weeks ago. We signed the contract three weeks ago. We settled yesterday. We settled on Friday, sorry, today's Sunday. We settled on Friday. And yesterday, our two younger sons, Bridget and myself, took it upon ourselves to move everything ourselves. Now, our two younger sons know us pretty well. They know we... We don't really take no for an answer. Everything's about yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but I've got to tell you, having movers that care makes a big difference. We live in a beautiful building. The concierge said, you know, one of the concierges was actually keeping, um, basically helping our two sons move everything. And this morning he said to us, you know, you've got two amazing sons. He said, I've, you know, we have witnessed lots of mo- uh, movers, lots of movers. We have never seen any two men, move things with such care and such thinking as your two sons did. Even when they were challenged with problems that you didn't tell them how to fix, those went about it. And you can see the two of them talk to each other, find a solution, if it worked, good, if it didn't. So today we're sitting here after, um, I've got to tell you, I went to bed at past 10 last night um, and Bridget was still going and she looked at me with that particular look that only her husband knows. The look was WTF. And I said, baby, I need to go to bed right now because I don't want to be apologizing about my behavior in the morning. <laughs> and so this morning I woke up full of energy, feeling good, looked at Bridget, and she goes, Yeah, okay, I get it. She went to bed at 20, 20 to 2 this morning. Uh, she got up about an hour after me. Um, but what's beautiful is if you would have seen the before and after shots, you look at our place right now, we, we're a bit, we're a bit. Um, we, we're minimalist, but we're also sort of perfectionist in terms of we know what we like. Mm. And literally, our last three homes—this is the third one—have looked pretty much the same, and and for for, for very good reason. Aaron, our eldest son, doesn't like change, so we've never looked one where we know what we like or what we don't like. Mm. And his his bedroom was set up so that when he walked out of one apartment in the same building into our new apartment, uh, as far as he was concerned, he didn't miss a piece. Yes that is the definition of success for us That we've had this amazing week work has been fantastic and the organization i work for and i'll mention it if that's okay it's a it's an amazing um technology company called salesforce but so to me they're a people company first it's mm. all about trust it's all about their people uh, they have been you know i, I could not imagine looking at anybody else at this particular moment in time because they truly understand what we're going through and they're in, enabling every one of us leaders. To lead your teams the way they need to be led, And that to me is a powerful, powerful situation. And then on a home life, you know, it's the same energy, it's the same approach, it's the same can-do attitude, damn, damn the torpedoes, full ahead, right? Um, that's, that's, that's what we do in life, that's what we do at work. And, and for that reason, you're not you're not using a lot of cognitive load thinking about who you are in what persona. So mm-hmm. for me right now, Gratitude, brother. Everything's about gratitude right now because I'm I'm so happy that I've got the body I've got, I've got the headspace I've got, I've got the family. I've got. I'm living in an amazing country, working for an amazing company. Um, you know, I'm just 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 grateful that I am where I am right now in the in the space I'm at right now.
2: I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. So some of the questions, a lot of questions emerged out of what you are sharing for me. Um, the first one being, what does leadership look like to you? Like, what does it actually mean? Like, what is leadership to you?
3: This is a funny. We haven't practiced this, and it's funny you should ask that because one, there's two things I'm leading. New things I'm leading at work. Um, one is called our uh, well, well-being stream, so mm. well-being, and the other one is we, we run a um, uh, an offsite called Dojo, and Dojo by definition is about a training place, right? And so it used to be a, a, a subset of the, of the entire organisation uh, two or three years ago. It was started by an amazing leader of ours who stood in our business uh, called Lee Hawksley. Um, if you're out there, Lee, uh, shout out to you. Um, and he, he devised a plan which said, okay, let's, let's continually train and practise so that we, I uh, love this saying, so we sweat more in practise, so we bleed less in battle. I like that. Let's do all the training. Let's do all hard stuff in training, right? So you need to take us offside for two, three days, leaders for three days and everybody else for two days, where we literally, all of us leaders would lead and and um, individual contributors would actually lead uh, sessions and, and learn together, right? Mm-hmm. Now, we're in a new world now, right? So we can't go offside. So we're we are reimagining that we're right now in the digital world. <clears> so <throat> we're doing that. We've got a committee together. I'm leading the people's stream And yeah? we run this... This um, dojo on what we call the four Ps: uh, people, pipeline, pipeline because you know pipeline of people, pipeline of, of revenue, pipeline of, of ideas, all that. Um, process: are we you know, continuous improvement, the genie idea, and then and then performance. What's our lagging indicator? What's our leading indicator? So I've, I've been asked to leave the people stream. Uh, why? Because everyone knows that I'm I'm crazy about people, but I'm also <laughs> crazy about wellness, and, and, and I'm. And as I mentioned to you before, I'm a 1st principle guy, so I just keep going back to assumptions. The assumptions that we made before are they still valid. That's break it right down to the elements, right? And the one thing I do know is, is what Branson, Richard Branson understood a long, long time ago. It's all about the people, stupid. It's all about the people. Get your people feeling amazing um, and they will do amazing things. If you want to create amazing customer experience, Give your employees amazing experience. Make them feel like they can be fearless. Make them feel that they're working in a psychologically safe environment where everything matters. So back to your question, what does leadership mean right now? For me, for the track, the stream i leading, it's all about servant leadership. How do we serve up people so mm-hmm. that they can be their best in whatever situation? And if we teach them the, 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 the skills and give them experiences so they just build that resilience, we don't have we don't have to teach you the hard skills, right? There's hard skills, technical skills, and soft skills. What, what we're doing right now, right? You're looking at me, I'm looking at you across the beautiful digital divide. But we're looking at each other, smiling at each other. We know what we're doing. We're connecting, right? If we build those skills, then it doesn't matter what the problem that comes over the pike is that our people have to face. They just refactor, reconfigure. They go, hey, Amrit, you are awesome at communicating. you you're an amazing listener. You can harmonise what you hear and you can ask really, really insightful questions. We need you to do this function. Is that okay with you? And you, because you are balanced, because you've been given this great psychological safety, you go, you don't go, hey, hang on a second, I'm the freaking boss here. What are you giving me a task to do? You just go, yeah, peace. If I can help, I'll do that, right? Because we, we're all in this together. And I'm watching this team of us doing that. So for me, first lesson, is forget about your people. Think about yourself as a leader. Think about what kind of leader you want to be. You need to be a servant leader, which means you eat last. Leaders eat last. I don't know if you heard that quote before, right? Uh, I think it's a, um, I think it might be a military term. But leaders eat last. That means you make sure your troops, make sure your team, make sure your family eat first. You need to keep some reserve because you need to actually lead them. But make sure they're okay. If they're okay, then you can set set them the the horizon to go after. And if you are treating them well, they don't care how many thorns are there, how much glass there, how many boulders there. Doesn't matter how steep the the incline is. They will go after it because you've inspired them to be the best they can be. The only way you can do that is by lead as a servant, lead by giving first.
2: I love that because that was going to be my next question. What does servant leadership look like? But I think describing that as leaders eat last is uh, is a really good way of describing that. One of the challenges perhaps for those that are listening in and perhaps one of the challenges I've got in my head is um, it's like, how does one show up to become a leader as a servant? So for me, it's, it's quite straightforward, like service is you know, the whole ethos behind the inspired evolution provide a service for me, it's like, if I can live in service, for me, that's the hack to freedom, right? Because as soon as you're like, freedom is this people are like, if I disconnect from everything, I'll be free. And actually, it's like, no, you're still gonna be looking for stuff to do. If you can learn to serve in the lane, which you love to show up in, that is actually the essence of freedom, right? But that conversation isn't had so much, but service and leadership, I love that. For me, setting up my own venture is totally normal, but for those that are perhaps looking for roles within companies such as yourself, how does one show up to, let's just say, a rude example, but a job interview going, hey, I'm here as a leader, but I want to serve, and then just like, "Like, does that go down well? Um, I, th-
3: I think for those organisations who are involved or involving, they, they recognise that. They get it. Those organisations who go, you want to be a what? Uh, I don't think there's a place for you here. You should say thank you. Thank mm. you for letting me know that at this interview, right? That's the organisation you are. I, I, I'm being a bit black and white about it. I don't like to polarise. But sometimes you've got, to, you've got to stand by your own principles. Mm. And principles aren't negotiable. Now, you've got to turn up with the right amount of principles at the right time because not everyone's up at your level of awareness or, or um, you know, um, Share the same inspiration, principles. right, or evolution. Um, Pardon, pardon the, the pun there. Um, <laughs> But I think I think the truth is, again, if you lead with empathy, mm. always, you know that saying, truth without some level of compassion is nothing other than cruelty. Mm. You know, if I said to you, wow. "Hey, Amrit, you're looking pretty ordinary this morning, buddy," <laughs> you know, you, look, you must have had a big party last night. If I didn't understand, if I didn't lead with empathy, that the empathetic approach would be, "Hey, Amrit, how's it going?" What's been happening? How was how was your night? Did you did you get a good night's sleep? Did was your week challenging? Blah I can lead that way rather than going, mate. You look know, shit. What's going on? Normally when I see you, you look looking bloody polished, right? Now you're looking. So that's to me truth with compassion. Truth with compassion is you always must have your truth, but you don't tell someone they look like crap if if you don't know where where that what what road they walked to to meet you there. You first give them the benefit of the doubt. You first think about. What has been their journey to that? If you don't know, guess what you do? You zipper, right? And you explore, really explore about what, what's going on. So um, that organisation says to me, Clyde, you want to be a servant leader? Man, you better go and sweep the streets. I'll go, with pleasure. <laughs> with pleasure. Because I understand, you know, Simon Senex, for drugs that drive our physical body, right? Mm. It's so... You know, endorphin, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin. And I understand that the first two are selfish drugs They're about us and our own achievements, and the second two are selfless drugs. The more I do that, the more I give, right? And serotonin, when do you get it? You get it when you're serving other people. You get it when you're connecting with other people. You get it when when you get that feel-good um, um, experience when you go, I did not want anything out of this, but you know what, I connected with this guy called Amra... And we spoke about this stuff, and I helped him just turn the dial just a little bit in, in in this problem that he he hinted at me. And I just gave him something. It may not come at anything, but I felt good just giving without expecting any return. That feeling, that's humanity. Mm. That is what leaders should be general all the time. Where do leaders? You know, how do leaders learn? Go to nature, man. Go to nature. Go to the world, and go to your inner world. Go to your inner world, about yourself. What work doesn't? They? Feels really good, and think about then your 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 um, medium-sized girl, which is your family. Think about the time when you led without even thinking about leading. The biggest leader in our family is Bridget. No two words about it. She hates me saying it. She hates me take it publicly because she's a she's a um, she's a PDA, a private display of affection. Not a, so, <laughs> a PDA public not. so she wants private adoration. She wants private recognition. She doesn't mm-hmm. like public. So. Uh, and, and as, a, as our younger centre said to me, Dad, you do know you do that public stuff because it, it, it makes you feel good. I said, no, it's true. Do <laughs> no, you, you and I are the same. We love it, right? But, you know, Mum and Aiden, they're not big raps for that, right? They're mm-hmm. not big, big fans of that, right? In a private city when it's intimate, no problem. But that public... Dad, how many times has mum told you, stop telling everybody what I do, right? Stop telling me, stop calling me coach. Right? And I can't help it because I'm so freaking proud of it, but I've got to learn that. So learn from your natural surroundings, natural settings. Mm. Learn from how you um, how your son led you. Learn what that what that leadership was. What did he do for you? And then what did you do back in terms of serving his purpose, serving his principles, serving his values or her? Mm. I love that, quite.
2: And so what's coming to the forward, uh, forth with me, which is almost, um, yeah, just worthy of a moniker itself, is uh, um, lead with growth and wellbeing is kind of what I'm hearing as I'm having this conversation with you. And so in terms of, we I can like we, we've touched on it in terms of there is a shift that is underfoot and if you're not if, if you're not landing in the shift that like that on the other side of the shift um, then you know go looking for that shift and let that shift be where you plant your feet because you stand for those principles and what you' you know you vote with your presence you vote with your dollar um, yeah so lead with growth and well-being I, I really love that so tell us more about what um, like it, it doesn't always sound intuitive right like leading generally, Maybe this is the old paradigm and we're talking about two different paradigms. And for those that are tuning in, maybe it's quite clear that there's two different paradigms. But maybe let's just flag it as that, two different paradigms. There is like a performance paradigm, which perhaps is, you know, less cognizant of the fact that the performance is driven by people, and which is why you're so people focus and talking about well-being. Tell us about leadership and well-being and why, in your mind, they're so intrinsically interwoven and connected. And what role does growth then play into that?
3: So, I mean, you can see this, you can see this uh, quote behind me. I don't know if you want to read that. Live as body. if
2: you were to die tomorrow and learn as if you were to live forever. <laughs> I love that. So, good old Uncle MG said
3: that, right? Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> no, he wasn't my uncle. My go mate me. MG. My <laughs> no, mate
2: MG. He's all our, he's all our uncles.
3: Go, <laughs> go, you, go, go MG. <laughs> uh, 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 I mean, for me, um, everything is about a growth mindset. So let me just go quickly go back to um, uh, a story I tell people, uh, why I left this amazing organisation to join Salesforce. Yeah. Um, and in my exit interview, um, the, the um, uh, HR director had an exit interview said, you know, Clyde, Clyde, can you explain why you're leaving um, IBM? Now, IBM is, you know, is a pretty amazing organization it's been there forever. It's probably going to be there forever, right? They're just, they're just a, a rock solid organisation. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, i thought a long, a lot of, long of, lot of heart about this and, and I literally, I don't use this word very no, Actually, I do use it actually more often than I used to. I never used to use this word a lot. I loved IBM, right? I loved everything it's good for. I loved my, my role in it. I loved the people I work with. I loved what we were doing. Um, I loved our values, our vision, our mission, all that stuff. So then, you know, but I, and I spent 15 years with it, right? So 15 years of my life, right? That's, that's a fair, sizable amount of time, question. yeah. Yeah, so when this person up and I said, they said, have you considered why? I said, of course i considered. I said, considered for three years before I pulled it in. They said, three years? I said, yeah, yeah. I said, I, I struggled for three years. And they said, so what was it? I said, it comes into three things. Mm. It comes out to what you said before, growth. And I don't mean just revenue growth. I mean growth mindset, mm. right? Growth. Um, I, want, I want to have a, a, a growth mindset mindset, I want to have a growth posture I want us to be in a growing mode right um, the second thing um, I wanted was, was you know, a sense of, of learning, and this is why this quote's so important, for me and they're tied together actually actually, you know, the more I learn, the more I grow, the more, the more I understand how little I know, you know it's, it's almost, it could be a rap rap verse, right <laughs> um, so learning, right, I'm not learning anymore Right. Why am I learning anymore? I'm not learning because the environment doesn't allow me to learn. No and if we understand what the environmentals are to allow someone to be a learner, this actually goes back to what I said before, psychological safety. When you correct psychological safety, people are more prone to learn anything. They just pick up anything. They learn from everything. Right? When you are, don't have psychological um, um, uh, wellness or psychological safety, it's a bit like back in the classroom. Are you going to put your hand up and say, excuse me, miss, I don't understand that. Can you explain to me again? When you know the last three, three times you've done it, everyone's looked at to you, and you call you your student, and mm-hmm. the teacher talked down into downlifting. You wouldn't do it, right? right? You wouldn't do it. So learning is the second thing. The third thing, which I think is equally as important, there was no fun. There's no fun in what we were doing anymore. And you've got to have fun. And mm-hmm. I don't mean fun like dressing up like a clown, but genuinely... Genuine fun in what you do, because when you have fun, it's not work. It's passion, it's energy, it's all, you're all aligned, and you're just in flow state, right? Beautiful flow state. So those are the three reasons I left IBM. And guess what the three reasons why I joined Salesforce? Well, they're the same three reasons, right? right? Same three reasons. And if you look at Salesforce, what, do, what, what are their values? Number one value, trust. Now, Second value, customer success. Third value, innovation. Fourth value, equality. Now I, I disagree with equality because I believe in equity over equality, mm. and it's, it's, it's a nuanced difference. And I reckon eventually we'll get to equity. <laughs> Sorry, everyone, Salesforce executive, don't <laughs> no need to undermine that. But I, I mean, so there are four values. The reason I talk about equity is equity means it's not an, it's not a level playing field. Mm. Equality is when you give everyone the same amount. I disagree yeah. with that. Have you heard the same the, the, the little analogy of the three three mates watching the football? Okay. yeah
2: standing over the fence yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Right. right so there's the example and for me equity is no 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 the smallest guy and that's the smallest voice the person with the least amount the person with the least access need to be given the most not the way around right forgiveness is not for the weak forgiveness is for the strong but like, you know guys are, you know who guys and girls typically guys you know, who've got the power, who've got the money, who have got everything, got control. You've got to give up some of that, guys. Right? Otherwise, as as um, who was it who said this? You know, uh, the guys, the, the people with the pitchforks are going to come after you, right? <laughs> the, the, the common folk are going to come after you in your beautiful, luxurious. I've retailers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, so for us, for me, it's, it's those three things, right? Um, growth mindset, growth, and and Salesforce is a growth engine in every single, every every dimension. We've got an amazing business model, right? It's, it's driven by by pay as you go. So therefore we're only as we're only as successful as as the last time someone renews, which means we've got up feed it fire all the time. If you don't like what you see, you've got the option turned off. Whereas years gone by, I'd have three years, four years, five years, more importantly, I'd have technical lock-in with you. Mm-hmm. So you can you can winch to me and I can go, Yeah, I really I really sympathize with you and i walk out the door and go, Hey, you can't go anywhere. I've got a lock and loaded, right? Whereas with Salesforce's business model, pay as you go, allows you to turn off. Then uh, our technical model is off the planet, right? And if you understand technology, it's pretty, pretty impressive. I'm a technologist. The first thing I looked at was their tech stack, and I go, holy oh, crap, this, this is amazing. No one told me about this. And the third thing is we have this, this integrated corporate plan three model. Hmm. It's called the one 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 model, where 1% of our equity 1% of our people's time and 1% of our product goes to causes that matter. To who? Awesome. To us. Each of us. So tomorrow you tell me, hey, hey, brother, you know, I'm running a not-for-profit. Any chance I can use that salesforce? stuff? I say, yeah, you can have 10 licenses for free forever. Go nuts. Right? <laughs> more importantly, more importantly, then you tell me, oh, this is a pretty powerful software. I don't know how to use it. i say, hang on a second, let me, let me, let me reach into my organisation and I'll post on our internal um, chat group, hey, this is an amazing organization, and they need help setting up Salesforce in their in their, in their company. Um, who's up to helping out? And within within nanoseconds you'll have ten people saying from product managers all the way through to hard-core, hard, code, hard um, edge coders turning up and saying, "Happy help." Incredible. That is a very powerful thing, right? Mm. Which means that the and it the, reflects the ethos and the, of the, of the
2: culture. culture. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah, but the, you must know, I said about the the quietest voices, the most vulnerable they get it they get our technology they get our money they get our people's time for nothing mm. that's powerful then i know i'm with an organization because leaders values aren't just on a chart somewhere on the board values have been operationalized values have been everything we do every day right that's powerful i love that
2: and so that brings me back to one of the things you were mentioning about Ray Monda and bless uh, her cotton socks <laughs> um, and one of the things that came through was uh, the key thing that I heard she did was actually as you as you highlighted the empathy and the compassion um, she met you where you were at I think that was a, like the fundamental takeaway of what I was hearing between the lines of what you were sharing and I think in terms of leadership it was a really profound example because what I was hearing was even within the organization the India scheme or you know wherever she was she's probably not um there's definitely a better way to put this at the top of the food chain um but she's within her organization and she is leading as you said she ought to be benchmarked to lead by example and the reason you felt that way was because she was evoking such empathy and compassion and meeting people that she was interacting with where they were at so how important is that empathy compassion and actually meeting people where they're at with regards to leadership and does that highlight that you don't have to be at the top to lead you can lead from
3: anywhere um, so it is everything. Um, you started talking about uh, uh, different modes of leadership and I'll come back in a second. But what Romana does, is she she's a leader. right? She's a leader by any, any measurement. Now, she may not have leader in her title, but she mm. recognises that, mm. um, that in that interaction she can lead. She can lead with compassion. She can lead with empathy and she can lead with, with amazing, you with know, present listening skills. They're, they're really important leadership attributes. When we have our when we have our group huddles um, and, and when I have a one on one, half of that time, in fact, the huddles, the group huddles, is all about just tell me how you feel. I start. I tell them what's been happening in the last you know twenty four hours we've met, what's worked for me, what hasn't. That's all I say. Vulnerability and all right. And and then I will say, and this is the help I would love to have. Two minutes and then I nominate the next person. So I go, you know, Bindi, over to you. You do the same thing and then hand it to somebody else. So within a 25 minute period, we can get through everybody and at the end of it, I try and wrap it up in terms of, okay, these are the three themes. I love threes, by the way. These are the three themes that I've picked up and this is all we're gonna do. That's leadership. Listen with empathy, with compassion, with generosity, with an open heart, Listen to everybody. But give, make sure everyone has a voice. Give everyone the opportunity, right? And give them the right environmental so they can feel, they can talk. And right. at the end of it, a leader puts into action something. Okay. Right. Um, so with with um, with Raimonda, you know, bless her socks. She listened with empathy, with generosity, with an open heart, with with, with, with two ears, and be totally present. And then within twenty four hours. She turned that around and executed the plan that she she said she was going to do, a plan which usually takes up to two weeks, right? So she's a rock star. She's the kind of person that the NDA needs to grab and clone, not not in terms of exactly how she does it, but the essence of her, her value structure, her her approach, then make sure every single person does it with their own stylistics. Now, I want to go back to something you talked about before about the issue. The old world, people would confuse leadership with managers. Now, I see them as two different distinct things, distinct roles. Everybody and anybody can be a leader. A manager is in your title, And typically, the way I view it, a manager is someone whose, whose primary goal is to optimise you know, operations, mm. i.e. it's an efficiency drive. Yeah. So let's sit down. If I'm your manager, let's sit down, show me what you do, blah, blah, blah. Okay, here's what you're going to do from here on in. You're going to do this, this, and this. What time is that said it to you, right? It's, it's letting you know I'm going to tell you what to do. Yeah. So that's cool, as long as the issues that you're dealing with and the workload you're doing is simple. Mm-hmm. As soon as it becomes volatile, as soon as it becomes, you know, um, uh, complex or um, lacks understanding or is is. Um, ambiguous, and ambiguity is the main one, because that, I think that's the mode right now. As soon as those things happen, what happens to my ability to be able to manage? what well, it goes out the door, because you will say to me, yeah, but boss, that's not the problem we're trying to resolve for right now, it's this. And I go, listen, I told you what to do, go and do it. And you go, okay. Then what happens is you end up with shadowy hanging. You will tell me one thing, the thing I want to hear, and you'll go about trying to do something else. Now, what happens to you now? What is your cognitive load now? Your cognitive load going to the roof because you're trying to please me with a bullshit set of KPIs while you're trying to do the real work for the mm. real people that matter. Right. Wrong behavior. Right? One is an efficiency driver, which is a manager. The other one is an optimization driver, which is legion. Leaders are is all about how do I optimize the environment, the, the systems to allow you to be the hero in your story.
2: Boom, and hence the conversation around wellness. That makes a lot of sense.
3: Spot on, spot on. And and for me, the, the starting point is that story we hear every time we get on the aircraft. If the oxygen mask comes down, please remember to put the mask on yourself. You know, I, I asked this question of all my team, and there's one particular member of my team, Dominica. Shout out to you, Dominica. you're a rock star and you're not. Um you know, at the beginning of the three weeks she, and what I love about her was she's so transparent and so honest about her feelings, her, her, her concerns or her fears, and, and how this changed working environment was affecting her, both work-wise and personally. She's of proud Italian heritage, so for her, part of her principal role was, Clyde, you've got to understand, I'm an Italian mother. I've got to cook five times a day when I'm home. And I've got to give my husband some time in the evening so he can have some time so he can rest. I said, cool, this fantastic. I said, and who is doing the same thing for Dominica? And she goes, oh, Clyde, you don't understand. As an Italian wife, well, an Italian mother, this is my duty. I said, cool. I said, Dominic, I'm going to ask you one question. You're not going to like this question. It's going to hurt you, but I have to ask you. Dominica, if you weren't here anymore, who's going to look after those two beautiful bambinos of yours? Who's going to support that wonderful husband of yours? Who? And she said, she looked at me, she goes, oh, my God. Don't ever say that to me, Clyde. And I said, I need you to think about that. If you aren't there, you will burn yourself to the core. You You will become ashes very soon. I need you to recognize the best thing you can do for those beautiful children of yours, for that amazing husband of yours, is to look after yourself. Begin with your well-being, begin with yeah. your strength, your emotion, your, your psychology, everything. Begin with yourself. That first hour of the day, give it to yourself because I promise you one thing, there is a person who will thank you for that. You know who that is? And she said, my children, I said, no. She was you, I said, no. She goes, who? I said, your future self. Your future self will look back 20 years ago and say, Dominica, 20 years ago, thank you for putting yourself first. Mm. Because in doing so, you've done all these amazing things for your two children and your amazing husband and your company you work for and the community you, you live in and the world in which you reside. Because of what you did for yourself, you were there then available for everybody else. Now, mothers in particular, listen to me, please. Listen to what I said. Put the oxygen mask on your face first. Fathers, <laughs> I know you—you you manage to look <laughs> after yourself. right? Fathers do less, but the mothers, <laughs> please look after yourself. What Dominica did there? I think a week later, she said to me that on one of our one-to-one. She goes, you know, we sat down. I want to share this because you shared it in an in in open forum. Clyde, team, you you'd be you be very proud of me. Last night, I sat down with my husband. We wrote up a schedule, just like we do at work. Funny that, huh? And we agreed when we were going to have time for ourselves, when we were going to have time together, what tasks we are going to do. You know, she said, You know, my husband isn't all that happy, but he's happy enough. And now that we're both getting what we need, I said, Peace. I said, To this day, my wife does more work than I do. I try and catch up with it. I can't. Every time I live, every time I live, she doubles it. <laughs> she, she figures I've come from such a such a far place behind. I've got to catch up. So hopefully if all this whole life of mine finishes, she'll say, yes, you kept up with me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, the strength of women. And let's let's uh I'm conscious of the time, but I just want to sort of take that into the last little bit that we can we can have a conversation with. Um is you know, there is a there is a shift underfoot, um, and you were alluding to, we've been talking about it a little bit. So there are more and more female leaders emerging. Um, what is like, would, like, just your own two cents on what you're seeing in the workspace, why this is such a necessary shift now more than ever, um, just your two cents on uh, female leadership.
3: It's very simple. So um, what we need in a, in a world which is, um, uh, which, you know, in a VUCA world which is gonna become more VUCA, is we need amazingly creative, thinkers. Mm. One of the best ways to drive creativity is diversity of thought. One of the best ways to drive diversity of thought is get that bloody uh, sex balance right. Yeah, I'm, 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 I don't use the word gender anymore because gender is a man-made concept. I use sex, right? right? Um, um, females and males. Get that gender. Get that gender balance right. Because I've got to tell you, as soon as you get a, a, a critical mass of um, uh, females in a meeting, it's amazing what happens with, with decision-making. It's amazing how the, the the pie grows. See, us guys, we used to what? Going out there, hunting for stuff, and recognizing there's a scarcity of bloody wild, wild buffalo or, or kangaroo or whatever it is we're hunting for. So we have a scarcity mentality built into our, into our DNA. Mm. So when you have a scarcity mentality, Guess what? When you and I, buddy, go hunting, and if we're hunting in two different trials, guess what happens if we both see a kangaroo or, a, or whatever it is, right? We mm-hmm. see one of them. Guess what happens first? We look at each other and go, no, 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 this is mine. We start <laughs> fighting with each other, right? We'll start fighting to the point where that, that kangaroo or whatever runs off. It's gone. Yeah. Now we're both dead, right? But a, 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 a two women hunters would look at it and go, you know what? We have to both survive. So why don't we join forces? Why don't we think about what we need? And the more we join forces, the better we become at this. Maybe we can grow our ability to hunt and be more successful more often in time. And then we can bring back more back to the tribes. It's that same way today. When I'm in a room and we have a better than even odds of of women to men, we have some of the most expansive thinking and we have respect in the room. That's the main one as well, right? Respecting the room where every idea is 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 uh, valued is then yes and as opposed to no but responses, mm. right? Yes and what I've found in the past is this help me understand how this your version will help or will work this time. So the yes yes and approach as opposed to the no but. The other thing is women do one thing that men have got to learn to do really well. They ask questions. They don't make statements. Women ask questions. What do we do? When someone's talking to us, we say, very quickly, we're running out of time, we're running out of energy, we go, okay, so what is it you i me to do? What do you mean what I want? I want you to sit here and listen to me. Oh, really? That it? No, listen to me intently. Listen to me honestly. Listen to me with, with, with your listening ears on. Don't just put an effigy of yourself, a picture of yourself, to listen to me. But when I want your advice, Clyde, I'll ask for it. But until then, keep your opinions to yourself and ask more questions. Mm. Don't make statements, ask more questions. So how does that make you feel? So what did you do before? So, so um, what do you think good looks like? Those mm. sort of questions, right? And guess where those questions typically come from? But they come from women. You know why? Because women have been traditionally, and men have got to learn to do this fast, have been traditionally, Community builders. Mm. And for a community builder, you've got to know the community. You've got to be connected with the community. Yep. Hunters, on the other hand, <laughs> all we have to do is do one task. Get out there, hunt, bring back, throw it, throw it to the to the women in the group, then go and sit down and sleep, right? Because you know, you're absolutely napping. You know, by definition, you've been working very hard.
1: <laughs>
3: you know? Mm. The truth is now we're going, yeah, we don't do that kind of hunting anymore. So mm. what can we do to make sure we share the load more equitably? Mm. And then what can we learn from the women in our lives and beyond? We can learn how to ask amazing questions. We can learn how to listen intently. We can learn that we can make the pie bigger, not fight over the morsels of a small pie. Scarcity versus abundance mentality, um, uh, a listening skill set, compassion, empathy, all those things come from soft skills which traditionally used to be women's work, it's now, guys, get on the train, <laughs> learn this stuff, practice it with your mates. And when mm-hmm. your mates turn around and say to you, something stupid like, what's wrong with you, Clyde? Are you turning gay or something? What do you ask those questions for? You say, firstly, don't say that. It's such an ignorant thing to say. Why can't I just ask you, Amrit, how you are? Why can't, I, why can't I dig deeper? If you don't like that, then maybe we're just not the relationship that I thought we were. I thought we were mates. Mates actually help each other. Mates don't just cry into our, into our beer mugs. Mates cry to each other and then allow each other to help one another. Hmm. Women have been doing this for a millennia or more. <laughs> Eons. Guys, let's learn from them.
2: <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I did say that was going to be the last, but I've got one more question. <laughs> okay. Um, what? you like I know you've got you know three really remarkable children um and they're all so distinct in their unique energies and you shared that in the first half of this and I love um yeah I just love how much you're open to learn from them and their personalities and you know what they bring to the world and I love way you're you're nourishing that and and learning from that and nourishing yourself through that as well so one of the questions I have just for those that are tuning in because the demographic of inspired evolution we're all A little bit younger so just tuning in like what advice would you be giving like do you find yourself giving across the board to all three children in terms of leadership like seeing them as leaders because I know what they're up to and a lot of them are in the leadership space they're they're definitely uh, (laughs) grabbing life by the reins and taking charge to a certain degree um what pieces of advice have you instilled distilled or do you find yourself sharing or what do you think um yeah, like you shared to them that they've actually, like, yeah. what you've learned from them, but what have you
3: shared to them? That is such a good question. Um, you know, the measure of success is in the results. That, that, you know, if you go back to first principles, right, you think about physics and chem, you know, you work out what the elements are, you come up with a hypothesis, you come up with a method, you come up with the new materials, you then, you then assess whether the assumptions you made in the beginning were proved out in the experiment. Mm. So we're living an experiment, really, right? We're we're living (laughs) this amazing experiment. We brought into this world three three human beings who didn't choose to be brought into this world. So, Mm -hmm. firstly, the big the big aha moment happened to me was recognition that they owe us nothing; we owe them everything.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. Right, that was the first thing, and I didn't get it for a long time. Again, you know, I keep using the word the C word about my 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 beautiful wife Bridget. She's coached me along the way, right? in some ways some some would argue that she hasn't been that good a coach because it took her twenty years to help me. But I would I would I would counter by saying I was a classic male chauvinist, patriarch, probably misogynist, misogynist now I think back. So therefore my ears were. And no, she unstoppable
2: also, forks made an immovable object seems, And the it, unstoppable forks
3: and, Managed to move the object Yeah, <laughs> I used to describe her as, as Somebody used to describe one of my favourite footy players the, the, the velvet sledgehammer Right uh, I don't know if you remember who that was But that's that's Bridget in a nutshell She is so soft she is, you, know, you just think she She's, she's dainty She's tiny You think she'd be Flipped over with the, with the, with the um, briefest, briefest of gusts of wind. But this lady, this woman, she is a force. Mm. And she knew right at the beginning what her North Star was. Mm. She also had to suck some stuff in, right? And that sucking in was, was okay, this guy I'm married to, he's not quite involved yet. Uh, with a bit of luck, he's going to get there. But I'm going to hang in there. Why? Not, not out of luck. That, uh, let me be honest, right? Not out of love. Out of necessity. She knew, and we talk about this a lot, she knew that her odds of succeeding uh, without me were far, far less than her, her um, chance of succeeding with me. Even though I was this huge deficit in boat anchor, right? She knew that. I was a bit of an albatross around her neck. She knew that even that, that, she could actually bring me on. Right Now, to all the women out there, Whoever crosses around there? got <laughs> <laughs> The measure is: do they do they like you? Do they respect you? Are they there during the tough times? Uh, if the answer to, to most of those are yes, then they're probably a good good catch and hang on to them. If they don't treat you with respect, if they don't show you they like you, if they don't—I'm not talking love, I'm talking like, which is a big difference, right? Love is good, right? But um, you know. Is, is written in, in written in all the, all the lovely romantic books like is different like is i, I I'm, I'm with you because i like you and i like what we stand, what we stand for and i'm going to be part of it so i move from being a partner to an advocate i advocate on behalf of you for your ideas even though the entire world is saying this lady is bonkers clyde what are you doing why are you allowing her to drag you by the nose and, Firstly, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm head of the house. So I'm never dragged around the, around the nose unless I let them do that, which is always the way. But the truth was, it goes back to that love story, right? Uh, with Robert Winfield and, well, before your time, long time ago. And um, she's, you know, she's sounded like the way we used to be. She was way ahead of him, but he succumbed to groupthink. To his friends, he was from a particular group, which was Upper Hamptons, I think, or you know, somewhere up up in the in the in the rich rich echelon of uh, uh, of the east east coast of um, America. She wasn't; she was from working class. She knew what she stood. She really knew who she stood for, who she was. He didn't. He was a lemming. She wasn't. They split up. Now I used to think about that, and I think wow, how, how amazing we've been together now forty years, right? Forty years. We we started going out when she when Bridget was was. Uh, when Bridget used to be called Paula, right? we we've gone out when she was 15, I was 17. Married at 20 and 18. Two sons, I was 21, and she was 19. And we've literally been married to different people along the way, but we've had a consistent North Star.
1: Hmm.
3: Um, and she's really helped me, and I'm, I'm so glad, grateful for it because she hung in there. I wish I wasn't such a dupus, you know, for so long, right? Luckily, I finally got hold of things. And what I, what I really am amazed about is when I finally got my whole, my, when I finally got my shit together and I started living one life, you know, my love life went through the roof. My, my role as a father went through the roof. Well, you need to ask them, them that though. Um, my role as a leader you know, went through the roof. My career went through the roof. My health went through the roof. Mm. Jesus, you know, Everything just started working better because it's just like you're in harmony in with the universe, and in my universe, she's my son. She's that she's that that body that gives and gives without asking for anything in return. So for me and for every other man out there, man, you're just the planet. You're just a dead rock. You're <laughs> the thing you know, circular, circling, orbiting that amazing life force called this, your sun. And your son is typically that amazing person in your life um, that gives of you, gives of themselves without asking for any return. So, my job is to recognize that and give back. And give back by giving without questioning. That's the ultimate thing. I love that.
2: Thank you so much, Clyde. There's so many nuggets and so many insights, so much wisdom in everything you've shared. And uh, yeah, just so inspirational just to just to feel into what leadership and the future of leadership tomorrow with wellness, with growth looks like. And um, I love just feeling into and just on a really gross level, really mundane level, just the size of the global conversation that Salesforce occupies, and the size of the conversation that you occupy within Salesforce, is really inspirational for us young leaders that are looking to move into a world which we believe in, which we can stand in proudly. Um, it's it's really yeah really inspirational to have leaders like you uh, guiding us. Amber, can that. I can I say one more thing? One yeah. more thing. You, and
3: you asked the question, and maybe I didn't answer it fully. I'm just thinking about it right now. What is my message to everyone? You know, at your age and my son's sure, age yeah. coming up. Um, the truth is your 20s to 40s is, is the most productive period of your life really. yeah, right. so so recognize that but also recognize everybody walks around with with um you know uh fear of failure um and, <laughs> and, and that whole notion of, of you know uh we don't belong here we don't belong in this role. we don't i don't deserve this role right so imposter syndrome <laughs> absolutely and that that um, you know i didn't even want to give it a give it a name right because it's in us all right and it's actually what i want to say to everybody is seize your own power mm. Maybe follow your beliefs follow them um, you know think think with uh, make decisions with your heart and execute with your head what i mean by that is be passionate about what you do and if you align your passion with what you do it's not work. It's honestly, I can promise you one thing: it's not work. It just looked at you, right? Look at you beaming on a bloody Sunday morning. It's not. Working. It's not work, right? It's just. A, it's just humans connecting, but it's yeah. passion. So when you leave with your heart, but you execute with your head. What I mean by that is you're living in a world that not everybody is at your level of passion. You're not aligned to your way of thinking. So therefore, you've got to remember timing. I just finished watching a movie this morning. Called General Magic. If anyone has a chance, go and have a look at it. It was the origin story of every great technology that came out of Silicon Valley. Oh. General Magic. Have a listen to it. And really, the lesson for me is: you can have the best ideas in the world, you can have the best intent in the world, but just like when you're surfing, if you hit that <sighs> wave too early, you are gonna run out of energy. Right? You're gonna run. So timing is everything. Time your wave. Time your entry, time when you're going to go after it, right? So time is everything. Make sure you're, you're prepared, you've got all the salient experiences and skills to get after it, but time properly. And don't think you've got to go after this big goal or big vision. Do increase. Have every single one of those little goals amount to something great. You've heard me talking about the compounding effect of great habits. Start small, and, but do it every day. They'll be my guns. Thank you so much for sharing that.
2: Thanks for listening in to another amazing episode of the Inspired Evolution. If you're loving these episodes, make your way across to YouTube. Click subscribe. Fresh episodes are launched every Monday with highlights being released throughout the week. Thank you so much. And hey, guys, just so you know, a lot of love, heart, soul, and work goes into these episodes. So if you could, please leave us a five-star review and comment on iTunes. I love reading your positive feedback. It fans the flames of the passion to continue to create and help you live the life that you love. Thank you so much for your wonderful feedback. I can't wait to see you again in the next episode. Big love from Amrit.